the voice movement, the fire conferences, and then drenched. She's touched a lot of women. And to, to have her here is such an awesome honor and privilege that I want you all to please stand on your feet to welcome this woman of God, Pastor Jenny Donnelly. How's that? Oh, good. Okay. I have, you can tell I've been fighting for my voice or asking God to fight for my voice. So I was really hoping that that microphone was not on because that would be double bad. Um, I am so grateful to be here. Thank you so much for trusting the God in me to be here to minister to you all today. Um, I could I could share, you know, stories with you. We're, we're just going to see where this goes. The Lord has given me um, a single word, and I'm not going to give it to you yet, but a single word from the English language to give to you. And if you will take it and digest it and eat it, I believe that it will sustain you not just for 2019, but for the remainder of your life here on earth. And it's really powerful. But I want to do it justice and set you up for that. One thing that I did here in worship was that this house is not a fast food restaurant. And for that, I'm very grateful. Because food, do you know that we're going to be eating in heaven? I'm personally very excited about that. Every time I lose my cell phone, which is just about every single day, I say I'm so glad there's no cell phones in heaven. Every time I'm putting a car seat in, you know, the five kids, there's car seats, and it won't, but you know what I'm talking about. You get that car seat in there, and you just, oh, you just, man, it makes you angry. And I think, I thank you, Jesus, that there are no car seats in heaven. I do. I thank him. That's how I get through it. But when it comes to food, food is in heaven. Food is actually worship. It's, it's a holy thing. It's also a very difficult addiction to break because the enemy will take it and twist it against us but why am I talking about food because I felt that in this house I was so grateful that the worship team and I know that comes through leadership that there is permission to dine with the Holy Spirit because when you go through fast food it's not fellowship it's just I'm hungry I need to eat and keep moving And I'm saddened that there are many churches that it's, let's get through worship, get through the day, get to lunch. It's, and and this house knows how to set the table. And I feel that your purpose here, at least I sense it, you have never been here before, so sometimes you sense things very strongly, even more so than the people there. But I sense that this is a house where the highest priority is to be intimate with the Holy Spirit. And I pray that that is never, ever derailed. Because I felt that here. Now, because of that, that's very easy for me to minister. And I 
thank you, Jesus, that you brought me here today. We don't always have that luxury because sometimes it's fast food preaching, fast food out, you know. But it doesn't mean that we have to be long-winded either to dine with Jesus. But the point is, is we're not just trying to drive through, grab from Jesus, and keep driving. We are sitting down face-to-face with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We're sitting with him and allowing him to love us and us love him. And if you get that in your life, do you know that everything that you've ever wanted that is from him, a desire that he's placed in your heart, everything that you've ever wanted, he will give that and more. The other thing I sensed here is as we were dining with Jesus, some of you were irritated that we were dining. You wanted the fast food experience because your mind is distracted. But the stage that was set here, the table, the banquet table was already set here. And if you'll enter into that setting, you will find exactly what you're anxious to find. The other thing that I sensed was that there was great longing in this house. There was a great longing for more. I don't know what your more is. You probably don't know what your more is, quite honestly. But there's a longing. There's a longing to 2019 will be different. There's a longing to, to, to go somewhere different than where you've been. How many of you bear witness with that? Raise your hand. I want to see who I'm talking to. Okay, there's a longing in this place, and longing is a good thing. It's a good thing. So I'm going to share with you, we're going to go through some scripture. I'm going to be kind of flipping through my mind here of what stories I want to share with you. I have so many. But I want to start with where uh, Pastor Angela where she left off, you know, when they threw the tackle overboard. You got to think about that. They threw overboard the plan to catch what they wanted. It's like, okay, is there anything else but tackle that we can throw off? But to throw out the plan. Are you willing to throw your plan overboard? The plan that makes so much sense to get where you want to get. Are you willing to throw your plan overboard? It's not easy. I'm I'm not saying it's easy. This comes down to little things, okay? I didn't think I was that type of person that had to have things just right. And, you know, I, I considered my older sister to be somebody that was, you know, domineering and she's very plan oriented and I always love that about her. But I considered myself kind of the chill. I'm the girl that just sits back and just, you know, until the Lord starts doing a few things that you go, oh, I might, I might be a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> Let me give you an example. I've, I've been traveling um, for uh, many years in business and um, in ministry now for several, but as I go places, you know, you hear things like scripture that says, leave your tunic. And you go, uh-oh, what does that mean? <laughs> and you show up to the airport, and your bags aren't there. And you need to drive a couple hours into the woods with no clothes. And the Holy Spirit says, it was never about your outfit. It was never about having clean clothes to preach in. Oh, okay, 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 God. <laughs> Okay, 
I was in Nashville, Tennessee. We went to do a drench. They're always out in the woods, which is uncomfortable anyway, you know, because you're out there without comforts, okay? And I go out, and we go into this really pretty house. We go in, and they're like, Jenny, we have your bedroom here, and it was great, whatever. I had brought uh, my fourth baby at the time, was three months old, and she'd got this terrible cold, and I had to come minister with this little baby. And um, Pastor Angela seen me minister with a baby. I mean, I just, you just do it. You just do it. When, when life gets so much, you just do what you need to do. <laughs> you start throwing your tackle overboard, you know. Okay, the baby is crying for me the moment I walk up to preach. So I put a thing on, and I'm breastfeeding while I'm preaching. And I tell people, just be grateful I'm covered up, okay? I mean, these things happen. I go into the woods with this baby and all night long, and she's crying, and she's stuffed up, and I'm praying over her. And mind you, I need to preach all the next day. I need to, I'm running it. I'm, I'm not just preaching, I'm orchestrating. I'm pulling people here. I'm, you know, we're delivering demons from people. It is intense. It is not, you know, rainbows, and it's, it's intense. People are getting free, and I have this baby. And the Lord says, you know, you don't need sleep to be anointed. Okay. Well, that trip in particular, there was no bathroom that I knew that was connected to my room. So I did, it's fine. I'll just go find someone else's bathroom. I walked down the hall. The door's locked. People are in the showers. I thought, okay, it's okay that I don't have a shower today. It's okay. It's okay. Smelling good has nothing to do with being anointed. Okay. So I go, so we come home late, midnight that night. It's midnight. You know, everyone's just been, it's been amazing. We end up, we're in a pavilion, an outdoor pavilion, and there's, you guys have, there's big bugs in this house. I'm from Portland, Oregon. We don't have big bugs, okay? And there's these big bugs, and they end up, the lights are low enough. We're, we're stepping on bugs, but we have bare feet. And I'm, okay. Okay. We just, we just keep moving, keep moving. But what had happened was I came home that night, and I'm like, I am getting in somebody's shower in somebody's bedroom. I am going Every door I went to, it was locked. Someone's in the bathroom. Okay. And I just thought, okay, it's okay. Two days of, of no shower has nothing to do with being anointed. <laughs> I remember the third day came, and I just said, this will be the drenched that I remember stinking. I remember Leland came. Leland was the one that wrote The Lion and the Lamb. And he came to minister and sing, and I looked homeless. I'd been up all night with the baby. It was the first time I met him. I'm in clothes that were, like, not good clothes, okay? I remember my hair being like this and going, welcome to glory, you know? But this is one tiny story of so many. And when you said, so tackle overboard, I mean, I've just never even seen that. It's like, do you ever read the Bible and say, have I ever even read the Bible? I'm seeing, I, I'm, I saw that for the first time. And what I know is that we, I, have a tendency and a propensity to become intimate with a plan rather than intimate with a man. The Lord has spoke to me over years and years and years, Jenny and he didn't take it all away at once. It was first the bag didn't arrive, and then the next trip it was this, and then the next trip. And then slowly but surely, all I have to rely on is Jesus. 
So this last week before coming to Houston, I was in Arizona and um, brought my kids to see my parents in Arizona, and um, it was really fun. But we had tons of bags because I had to go from Phoenix, Arizona, to a business meeting to Houston. It was just one of those hop trips. So my husband was headed back to Portland with the kids, and he said, I have too many more kids than I have arms to get on an airplane by myself. You're going to have to take more bags with you. So now I'm irritated because I have more stuff, you know. So I have these two bags. I just stuff baby clothes. There's my clothes. There's all these things. Wires for audio, visual. I mean, it's just, okay, whatever. So we take these bags. That works. That's fine. I get in my bag to go to Drenched, which is what we just did for the last two days. And I'm like, my Bible. Oh, I'm sure it's in my backpack. Wait, it's not in my backpack. Okay. And I'm like, Lord, you're, you, it's come down to the Bible. Like, I don't get my Bible. Okay, that's okay. I have my notebook. I have my notebook. I'll just dig for my notebook. Notebook isn't there. And I'm thinking, my Bible, my notebook is all back in Portland with my husband in some random suitcase. And I'm like, here we are again. (laughs) And he says, Jenny, it was never being intimate with a plan. It's intimate with a man. So coming here, I'm thinking, well, what should I bring up with me? Because I don't have my notebook. I, I need some water because of my throat. My phone has my Bible. I'm ready for the service to, the cell service just to shut down here. And so I thought, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring up this book. Because if you come to preach and you come empty-handed, it is really strange. But I thought, you know what, instead of coming up here empty-handed, I'm going to bring this. Um, Pastor Goodluck gave me this book, and I'm so excited to read this on the airplane tonight. I don't know if you've read his book, but sometimes the people in the house are the last to know, the last to eat. Like sometimes we have guests over to our home and we lay, you know, and then the kids just run through, grab something, and out the door they go, you know? And so I want you, I've not read this yet, he just handed it to me before the service, but I want every single one of you to read this Because to me, the greatest um, gift you could get is what God is giving your pastor. And to eat from the house you're in first. Yeah, eat at home. Okay. And um, he didn't ask me to say anything. Probably wouldn't have given this to me if he knew I was going to. But I know this. When I sat with them um, in, in the back, the sweetness of God is all over their life. And then the strength of an apostle, the apostleship. I don't know much about you guys, but the apostleship on you is very, very amazing. Apostles change mindsets. That's what they do. I know there's lots of definitions of apostles, but what apostles do is they help get the mind in line with the word of God. And sometimes you have to offend the mind to get to the heart. And apostles are like that you guys are anything but offensive that i've seen so far but sometimes when somebody corrects me like my daughter i wrote a book on rest and i'm going to talk to you about this it is not available yet it won't be available for another year sorry about that the process takes a long time once you write it you know it takes a while after that but god has brought me through intimacy with a man not my plan 
Now, I might have a plan, but my intimacy was with the man. And I wrote this and um, been living it and teaching it and living it again and teaching it. And the other day, my daughter was like, my 16-year-old was like, Mom, you need to breathe. You seem very stressed out. And inside of me, I was like, don't give me back my teaching. Don't give me back my teaching right now. <clears throat> and that's that apostolic feeling is, you're right, but something in me is very angry about you being right right now. Okay? I want you to bless Almighty God if you, God has given you somebody in your life that does that for you. Okay. Now, let's get down to business. You ready? Okay. I want you to go, well, if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Now, I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation, which I really, really love. I just, I feel like I'm reading the Bible for the first time, reading this translation. Here's the question that Jesus is asking you today. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Are you? Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to the plan. Oh, wait, let me see. I think I read that wrong. Then come to me. I will refresh your life. For I am your oasis. When I was going to bed last night, and I've learned, I've learned, if my husband asked me to preach at our church, we have a church in Portland, Oregon, and he says, hey, Jenny, you're preaching, he used to tell me like on Thursday. And I was like, well, that's completely unfair, because now I only have a couple days. And he says, well, you're preaching Sunday, so you can do it. He, He doesn't go easy on me. And what I realized is by Sunday, I have a nine week series in three days. So then I was like, I can't preach. I have too much content. And he goes, get through you need to get through, and you can always preach next week. So he started telling me on Saturday night, Jenny, you're preaching tomorrow. And squeezing my timeline down because what happens when I ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want to do? That's a really big question. And he goes, oh, I'll tell you what I want to do. I'm doing this. I'm up to this. I'm up to this. And I go, oh, hold on a minute. We only have one service. So I've learned to ask questions at the right time. So last night before going to bed, it was 1130 at night. And I said, okay, I'm going to ask the question. What's the word for the house tomorrow? And when I say word, can you just give me one? Because <laughs> I went to Africa and I, I do like church all day long. But I know not everybody does. And I'm not saying you would want to hear the word God all day because I know you would too. But we're not going to do that to you. Here's the one word that God spoke to me at about 11.28-ish last night. He said, Oasis. Oasis. And I knew it was in that scripture, in that translation. The The Passion Translation isn't just somebody making up words. That word actually, I knew it was in there because of a translation of the Bible, which is the ancient roots. Ancient roots pulls the word from Aramaic, Greek, Hebrew pulls those words to their actual meaning. That is the actual word that's used as oasis in that scripture. 
It's more accurate than any other translation if you go right down to the root of the word. For I am your oasis. Now, the word oasis sounds wonderful, does it not? I mean, that is like the name of a spa. It's the name of supplements. It's the name of just yes. But let's look at what an oasis actually is. How many of you love looking at definitions? I do too. I like looking things up because I think I know something. And then I look it up in the dictionary and I go, oh, oh, that is a little bit different. Oasis, and I don't have this written up here for you, but just listen to what I'm going to tell you. A fertile spot in a desert where water is found. A fertile spot in a desert where water is found. Some of you, year after year after year, are going into the desert and you see the water. And you've come up to it and it's a mirage. I thought, I, I thought, okay. And then the next year, okay, the new year comes. It's rolling over. Okay. Oh, I got a plan. I got a plan. Okay. What? Wait. It was a mirage. And what happens over time is disappointment begins to set in. And we stop looking for the fertile spot. We stop looking because it's not even true. Love Jesus. I love being a Christian. But it hurts too bad to long for something. I felt a longing in this room this morning, and most of you raised your hands. A longing says, I feel a little bit dry. And when you're dry, you want to drink, you want rehydration, you want water. And he said, I will refresh you. Let's go back to that scripture. I have the anointing of repeating myself. So that's what we're going to do. What does it say in Matthew eleven twenty eight? Let's read it all together. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Now here's the thing. God says, I will refresh your life. For I am your fertile spot. Fertile. There are some dreams and some longings that have been barren in this room. They're barren. Do you all know what barrenness is? It's lack of conception. It's lack of conception. It's the lack of something being impregnated, something being born, something taking root. Some of you are single and want to be married. Some of you have a business and you know that you're supposed to be doing it, but it's not clicking in. There's, it's, you haven't found the sweet spot. You haven't found the fertile spot. Some of you actually want a baby and you're not getting pregnant. But here is the thing. Come to me. I will refresh your life or I am your oasis. Okay. 
So with that in mind, I am going to kind of help myself to this bar stool up here, which I hope that's okay. I'll put it back. Probably not in the perfect position, so the gentleman at the keyboard is going to have to change this. And I, I know I'm, I'm a pastor. You mess with people's, you know, stuff up here. So forgive me for that. Okay. I'm using this to give you a visual of what it looks like to work from a place of rest. I got prophetic words over my life. Jenny, God is calling you into rest. And I thought, that would be amazing. Like an oasis? Yes. But do you want to take care of my kids while I do this? What about my business? Who's going to run my business? I was almost irritated that they kept saying this. Oh, God's calling you to rest. I thought that would be wonderful. So what would I do? I'd get a massage once a week. I'd go to the, you know, get my nails done. I would do these things that I needed to nurture myself. One day I was sitting at my, in my kitchen and praying with some girls, and we were just wanting to listen to what God was saying, and we were just being open. God, what's going on in your heart? I think there was like four of us at the table. And it was my turn, and they were all praying for me. And the, the rules were you write down what you hear God say. No more, no less. If you see a pink bunny, you write it down. Like, you just, whatever it is. So it was my turn, and the Lord made everybody in the room disappear out of my mind. And he said, put this down on a piece of paper. And I saw a tornado, and I started swirling my pen. And I realized I'm drawing a, I'm drawing a tornado right now. And he said, Jenny, your belief system about rest is inaccurate. Have you noticed you keep saying, okay, when this is over, when this is over, I mean, Christmas is coming, right? So after Christmas, I mean, January 1st, the burden will be lifted. I'll be refreshed. That will be when I will get refreshed is when I'm done with this. Oh, and, and then there's the birthday party that I have to throw for that girl, and then the wedding, but, okay, so, okay, but after that, and he said, have you noticed when one storm comes in and leaves, the next one is right there? Have you noticed that your plans for refreshment, your plans for rest, the idea that you're going to get to rest once this is over, oh, I'll get to that when this is over, I'll go minister to my teenager when this is over. I'll go serve at my church when I'm done with this. I'll get my business started once the wedding is over. See, we, we, we delay. He said, you're delaying rest. And it's actually what I died for. You're delaying it. And then he said, look at the paper. He said, Rest is right in the middle of the tornado where everything is perfectly still. That's where I am. I'll meet you there. And he invited me to stop managing chaos 
out you go, off the calendar. Oh, okay, well, and I'm driven. I can do these storms. How many of you can, you just got this thing down, I can do a storm. Bless God, I can do a storm. But God said, I don't want you to do it like that. I want you to sit in the middle of that thing and watch stuff swirl around you and get in the fertile spot and let chaos not affect your inside or your plans because it's not what you think it is. And that began a little over 10 years now, process of me realizing, hear me now, when everybody said you need rest, 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 I heard the act of resting. I heard a verb, the action of resting. So I could not figure out how does a person rest and get the kids to all their sports, pick them up here, make their lunch. This one won't go to bed. Toddler gets up in the middle of the night. Like, how do you verb rest when you can't rest? Because your life actually won't let you. Do you you hear what I'm saying? Okay. Rest. Oh, paper. It's a place. Rest is a place. It's a noun. He said it was a place. Now, I've written a whole book on this, so I do not, I, we don't have time to do 230 pages of what needs to be said about this. But I do know that the Lord this morning wants to impart. There's an impartation for you. If you'll lean into this message, I'm not done yet. Lean into this. In Ephesians, it'll mess you up when you read this. You ever read something in the Bible and go, I do not get that. I definitely don't understand that. But in Ephesians, I want you to get this. It says that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus right now. Not when you die. When you get saved, your spirit, because we're body, soul, and spirit. My body is sitting on this stool. My spirit is within me, but it's also seated with Christ. My oasis is seated with Christ. So how does that translate to real life living? Well, science has proven that you can take an, you know, they can, they can take a single atom, quantum physics, they can separate an atom, stretch it all the way across the earth, and when one, you turn one atom, the other one turns. Turn it this way, this turns. Because they're connected. What happens is we live by sight rather than faith. And if I believe that my life is the kids, the chaos, the teenager that, wait, why did I see that text come through? You know, over here, okay, I thought this was going to happen. Man, financially, this, the car broke down, we have to get a new walk. So I'm living my life in this stuff. I'm not in the center of the tornado. I am swept in the circle of it. And the baby that we prayed for and wanted and we're so excited about, we're like, oh, two more years and they're gone. Thank you, Jesus. Wouldn't say it out loud because we are doing this. Are you ever around somebody that you feel like that's 
what they're making you feel like because they won't stop. Their spirit won't stop moving, and they are just constantly in motion. You know, we are energy beings, and we give off vibes. Do you have this vibe, or do you have this vibe? Do you make people feel anxious or do you make people feel restful? What I had to do is I had to stop attaching my insides to the outside. Okay, I don't have my clothes. Yep, I stink and I'm hugging people and letting them cry on me and they're smelling. Wow. I didn't choose this journey, but God chose it for me. I want to back up in Matthew 11. I like, do you guys look at a verse and then you have to look around the verse? Okay. We're going to go to Matthew 11:25. Matthew 11:25. Okay. Now hang with me because I haven't gotten to how that's all going to happen for you. Okay. Lean in. If you've gone somewhere else, just come right back to your body right now, okay? Because we're rewiring our mind, and our mind will tend to go to where it's been rather than you have to pull yourself, you have to pull your thoughts into the present moment. That's part of being in rest, by the way, is you have to be present. Very difficult when you're a driver because you're on to the next thing. I am a recovering striver. I know how this works. Matthew 11:25. Then Jesus exclaimed, Father, so Jesus talking to the Father, thank you for you are Lord, the supreme ruler over heaven and earth. He's praising him. He's lifting him higher than the earth, lifting him higher than the stuff, right? That's what true praise is. We lift God higher. And you have hidden the great revelation of your authority from those who are proud and wise in their own eyes. Instead, everybody say instead. You have shared it. What's that revelation? You have shared it with these, you, who humble themselves. Yes, Father, your plan delights your heart. As you've chosen this way to extend your kingdom by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. Let's just stop there for a minute. We're going to move on in a minute. Trusting children. What does it say about the kingdom? The kingdom of God will not be given to those who do not come as a child. It's so aggravating when one of my kids are like, hey, mom, what are we going to have for dinner? Like, did you go to the grocery store? Like, you're going to like, it's like, yes, yes, I realize you need to eat. Like, when they come out of trust that I've got it taken care of, they're in anxiety. Half of college-age students report to have crippling anxiety. Crippling. Crippling meaning I can't move anymore. Over 40 million Americans use psychotic drugs prescription to calm the mind. I'm from Portland. Marijuana is legal now because it's like, hey, what are you going to do? Have panic attacks all night long? 
So now people, are, they smoke marijuana. Not everybody, but a lot. This is a real problem. Anxiety is a real problem. But why have I dedicated my life to this message? Because we have a real solution. The real solution. And it's not in a plan. It's in a man. And he sits on a chair and says, ready for you. 24-7, if you can sit, if you can sit, sit your spirit down. Sit your spirit down. And when you sit, what are you sitting on? A throne. You're sitting with Christ. He's on a throne. You're not sitting on a wooden stool. You're sitting on a throne. What do thrones represent? What are they? Places of rulership. How many of you guys have seen Mall Cop? Okay. It's a fantastic movie. Um, Mall Cop is, there's this Mall Cop, okay? And he is like, I'm going to extend my authority. He gets on his Segway, you know, goes around to the little kiosks. And nobody takes him serious because he's a mall cop. They're like, you're not really a real cop. Okay? So when Christians want authority, we can look like mall cops. We can wear the uniform, put the sticker on the car. I go to this church. I praise Jesus, got my Bible, and nobody's buying your story. The greatest authority that you have is to sit your spirit down with Christ. And you don't consult your circumstances. You consult the king. You consult the king. Last night I was in bed just praying for my oldest daughter because it's now habit. <laughs> the oldest, the first. My mom's like, hey, the first one, that's the tithe. That's their Jesus's. And I was like, okay. Um, my husband texted me and said, hey, pray for Sammy. He's our second born. And I was like, oh. I'm like, didn't even pick up on that. And he said, just pray for him. He's just having a hard time. And I'm texting, well, what happened? He goes, just pray for him. Oh, that's right, because I was trying to consult. I was trying to consult what was going on. Instead of, you know what, Jesus? My husband told me to pray for him. And I sat down, I said, I said, Jesus, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to pray for Sam, but I want you to pray for Bob. He's home with the five kids, and he feels a little bit, you know, he's overwhelmed. Not a bad way, but just, you know, just pray for him too. And I was like, okay, so I just consulted the king. Went to bed, fine. There's no panic button. Am I talking to anybody here today? Okay. I'm not an expert at this, by the way. I'm practicing it, and I'm getting better and better. I'm noticing that when certain things happen, I'm just not, I don't have a knee-jerk response to them anymore. I'm just like, okay, this is a place of trust. This is a place of trust. This is a place of I have to have control. I have to have control. I'm going to try to make this better, fix this, fix that. And we can use religious behaviors to do it. Yeah, in Jesus' name, I'm going to, okay, you know, that has to happen, and this has to happen, and I'm going to tell this to come through. And, you know, because I'm a great person of faith, that means I have to get involved in here and just, you know, in Jesus' name, command that to go. We can get in a religious whirlwind, too. It can happen. And we can think 
that because we're being religious, we're seated. But being seated actually feels like you're sitting. If you want to know what it feels like, it feels like you're sitting on the inside because you have no panic inside of you. It takes a lot of intentionality and practice to do this. Because the world is saying, you should care about that. You should care about that. You don't look like you care. My friend Laura Gallier is here today, and she was telling me on the phone, she said that she has a friend who is a um, you know, first responder. And I believe he's an ambulance responder. And he says that they get a lot of flack because their job, when they enter a scene, you know, what they're called, something's, something's going wrong. Okay? And it's usually life or death type of thing going on. And he enters the scene, and their job is to remain calm. And they get a lot of flack because people go, this is urgent. Don't you care? Who said that? Don't you care? Jesus, don't you care? The boat is, we're, we're in it. We're, we're going to die. Don't you care? I'm thinking that is bold to say to Jesus. That's what they say to ambulance. The ambu- you know, and so some of us think panicking is caring. Oh, well, we're just going to, oh, okay, okay, call 12 people. We're going to pray right now, you know. Instead of going, just a, just, just a minute, let me, let, me, let me see what Jesus says about this. Let me consult him before the 12 people I was going to call. Because it can be addicting to be dramatic. Uh, Let me put it this way. Some of us are intimate with drama. Okay, here's what I know. Here's what I know. You and I are created for intimacy. Into me, see. It's sharing a piece of yourself with something else. Okay, it is a need for love. It is a, and it's a, it's a need for a feeling. It's, that's what intimacy is. All sin, like addictions, whatever, pornography, you, whatever, whatever it is, drugs, alcohol, all that. I was wrapped up in alcohol before I came to the Lord. That's all in my book. I don't have time to come to that. But I was intimate with being drunk because it made this go away. All of this. I was a Christian. But the only thing that made me feel like I was stopping swirling was to get myself over the edge with alcohol. I feel numb. This is great. I feel happy right here. Temporarily. And then the guilt and the shame the next day plunges me further into the chaos. I woke up one day with my face. I guess I'm telling you my testimony. I woke up with my face in the toilet. I, I, that wasn't new. I'd done that lots of times. And I was there, and a, and a remorse, a godly remorse washed over me. Not a, not a guilt. I'd felt guilty a lot. It wasn't guilt. It was an invitation. I heard the Lord say, do you feel really bad? I, 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 yeah, I feel really bad. Not just physically, but my heart was broken. And he said, do you want to be done with this? And I felt like he was excited, like, I have this. 
we're going to do, and it's going to be awesome. Like, he was excited about his plans and was kind of like, so, do you want to be done with this? And I was like, yeah. And I got up, and I went and told my husband. We'd been married for uh, maybe nine or ten months, and I said, I'm, I'm never drinking again. And we lived with some friends at the time, and I told them, and they laughed. I was the girl that gathered everybody up to go to the bar. Like, you? You're, and they laughed. They're like, oh, yeah, we will. This will be really great to see that. And that was 18 years ago. And I've never had another glass of anything. And I, I don't say that religiously. I don't say that religiously. But I decided to throw the tackle out the boat. I just, but now what? And the Lord, because he's so kind and he's so wonderful and he's so forgiving because that's what he did on the cross. He's exchanged all guilt, remorse, shame. And he just was looking in the eye and he's like, I And I didn't know how to go from there. What does that mean? He's like, just like you used to belly up to the bar. I want you to belly up to this. So I had to slow down to speed up. I had to slow down to speed up. Because, guys, I got amazing grades. My business was exploding while I was temporarily relieving myself of stress with these other things. That was all because of unresolved trauma. My parents were divorced when I was seven. My dad... um, Moved 2,000 miles away. He's a wonderful man, but I saw him once a year. So I had what every child should eventually grow out of. I did not grow out of. It's called separation anxiety. Not from my biological father. It was birthed through that separation. But I had separation anxiety from God, my father. I didn't really know who Father God was. That felt very far away to me. And he said, if you'll sit down with Jesus... Jesus will reveal the Father to you. Because that's the job of Jesus, is to reveal the Father. I'm just massaging this. I'm working this through. Are you guys, are you guys okay? So we just left off it by giving it to those who have become like trusting children. Verse 27. This is Jesus still talking to the Father, okay? You have entrusted me with all that you are and all that you have. No one fully and intimately knows the son except the father and no one fully and intimately knows the father except the son he's basically saying father you and i know each other perfectly nobody really knows jesus as much as the father and jesus says i know you but watch this but say but the son is able to unveil the father to anyone he chooses have you been unveiled to the Father. I was cool with Holy Spirit. You know why? Because my mom, I was raised by my mom. And my mom took care of me. She told me everything was going to be okay. She told me, suck it up and stop whining. <laughs> I mean, my mom was like right here. She had a lot of hard life that she went through. So when, you, when I got introduced to the Holy Spirit, I was like, yes, because the Holy Spirit is the femininity of God feminine nature, the loving, mothering nature, and I was cool with that. If you have an issue with Holy Spirit, you may need to walk into 
the healing of a mother wound. That's, that's what gets revealed there. I was great with Jesus because Jesus, our perception of Jesus is how we experienced siblings and friends. And I had some really good friends. I had my older sister who took care of me. So I was good with Jesus. But then people would say, Father God, and it was almost like, I, I, I don't even, that's, I guess he's out there somewhere on a throne. I, is there anybody here that would be willing to say that you feel like Father God is just a little far away? Anybody? It's okay. It's okay. So I said to God one day, I was standing at the top of my stairs, and I said, I don't understand the love you have for me. Because my dad loved me 2,000 miles away, and I saw him once a year. So where's God? Where's Father God? I don't know. When you say Papa and Abba, I almost squirm because I don't know Papa. I don't know Abba. I don't know Father. Those are very uncomfortable words for me. If Holy Spirit feels like that, Jesus feels like that, it's because in our little village we were raised in, it's called our family, we were getting a sense of who the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit was. We were getting a sense of who they are through those relationships. That's why God cares so much about healthy families, to give us the best, no one's perfect, but to give us a picture and a, and a relationship and a context for the fullness of God in those areas, okay? So, God, I don't know. I, I don't know your love. Would you please help me? Okay, here's what happened at that point. My friend who's a prophet called me and said, hey, God just told me that he's going to reveal his love to you. I was like, I mean, I know that God speaks to me. But when someone says what God just, okay, wow, I'm just amazed all over again, okay? So I said, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? How do I connect with your love? How do I sit here when I have been, my brain trails are wrapped up in resting later and I'm doing because my value has been placed on doing. My value of who I am has been placed on doing. I was in a fan. My dad, wonderful, wonderful man. I'm so proud of you for what you're doing. Then my stepdad came into my life. What grades are you getting? It was all about grades. That's great. I appreciate that. But my value was put on my performance. So to maintain your identity and your value, you'll keep doing what keeps your identity that you have attached. So what the Lord told me was this. Your prayer time is changing. Because my prayer time before was, okay, what do Christians do? We get up in the morning, we sit down, and we start, we read the Bible, then we have a devotional, then we, at least that's what I thought. I had all these interesting ideas about what I needed to do. And he said, your prayer time is changing. You need to stop striving. I'm like, stop being a Christian. It's like taking my Bible away from me. Like, really? Like, what are we doing? And he said, Jenny, you're not the do-loved of Christ. You're the beloved of Christ. Be loved. How am I going, how are you going to get a revelation of my love if you won't be loved? You're a being, not a doing. And in my identity, I was a doing. 
more than I was a being. And so this is simply what he told me to do. It's not a formula. It's just what he told me to do. I don't know what he's going to have you do. But he said, you're going to do nothing except for lay on the floor. This is before we ever did drenches. This was way back in the beginning of this whole thing. Drenches now, we have mats. Everyone lays down. And they're like, whoa, this is really weird. And then in five minutes, they're like, I love it. You know? And lay down, and he said, um, I want you to lay there for, you know, at least 30 minutes. He needed to give me some kind of parameters, you know. Um, just put on music if you want to and lay there and don't say a word to me. And all it is is me loving you. And he just kind of showed me, like, if you're going in for surgery, probably they give anesthetic mostly so that you don't grab the instruments and start helping, you know. I mean, I don't know about you, but I really used to enjoy helping God help me as if, right? I thought I was supposed to. I thought I was supposed to. A religious spirit demands you to do something to earn this intimacy with Christ. You have to do something to get there. And so he said, I want you to receive. Lay down 30 minutes, and I'm just going to love on you. And what happened was, he began to show me. I just let my mind go as much as I could. I had to learn to do that. And he began to show me imagery of him loving me. And I did that several several weeks. My friend who's a prophet came over to my house and he said, man, I was reading this book. I want you to read, read this. And he said, particularly right here, this guy says, if you want to change your prayer life, Put music in your headphones, lay there, don't say anything, and let God just love you. And I'm like, it's in a book? And I, I was like, this is literally what God told me to do. And I just began getting more confidence in this place of stillness. Stillness, that I can be still. But when you have a lot of kids, and God says, hey, here's a business. God wasn't taking things off my plate during this, by the way. He was adding. He was like, by the way, you're going to write a leadership book. And he started teaching me, okay, okay, now, now that you're there, don't get up. Don't get up. Stay here. Now write the book from here. And guess what happened? Revelation. It takes a lot of humility to sit in your spirit. Like, I don't know, two years ago, I would have freaked out that I didn't have my Bible coming here to preach and do a retreat. Do you see what I'm saying? That would have freaked me out. But he's been preparing me and planning so that I can be ready in season and out of season so that I can come. Because here's the thing. I might have, my Bible might be in the wrong suitcase in Portland, but Jesus didn't go in that suitcase. Holy Spirit didn't go in that suitcase. He's right here. He is right here. So whatever needs to be said can be said because I know his voice. Do you want to know why I know his voice? Because I've been intimate with him. I used to say stuff like, oh, yeah, you know, Holy Spirit really kicked my butt and got me in gear. I used to say that kind of stuff before I sat with him and just said, okay, I'm not in control. I'm not in control. I'm not going to try to lead. It's like dancing and you're a really bad dance partner because you're not supposed to be leading and you're controlling it. 
He said, stop leading the dance in your prayer time with me. Just be. And I was like, okay. And I'm here and I'm like, wow, you're not a God that's angry or feisty with me at all. (laughs) And so he tore down the strongholds of my mind of who God was and who he was. And he's a gentle, gentle, amazing, wonderful, compassionate, strong friend, leader, father. I woke up the first day of the retreat a couple days ago, and I was coming out of that sleep state where you know know, you're kind of awake, but you're still asleep. How many of you dream in that little time zone? Do you have dreams or things that happen? If you do, try to write that down or even the dreams in the night. Seriously, write those down. And you don't always know what they mean, but they might matter soon. (laughs) But when I was waking up, I heard these words. And these words were actually words that we were speaking back to him. It was like words in us that we were saying. And it was this. My purpose is to know you. I don't know if you're getting it. My purpose is to know you. Yeah, Jenny, and I'm supposed to write a book. And I have a blog I'm going to start. And my purpose is also my business. My purpose is to know you. Those are all assignments. Those are all things that he's going to have us do. Our purpose is to know him. You don't know somebody by going through fast food and waving as you go by. You know somebody because you've sat down and you've dined with the Holy Spirit. If you like to drive, go on a drive. Put the Holy, ask the Holy Spirit, would you come drive with me? I just want to drive. You guys have a lot of land here. I'm just going to drive, and I'm just going to take a drive with the Holy Spirit. I like to work out. I get on my spin bike or on a... I've been, I've been full on bawling my eyes out on the elliptical. Because I love to work out with the Holy Spirit. My purpose is to know you. Oh, I'm on this elliptical because I'm just ate too much and I'm just going to torture myself because I'm punishing myself. No. My purpose is to know you. My purpose is to know you. Do you know that your purpose is to know God? Your purpose is to know God. And if you will make it your mission to know him, seek ye first the kingdom of God. And what will he do? He'll add all those things. So you're sitting here, and then he says, hey, I want you to start a Bible study at your house. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I need to study. I'm not, okay, I need to, like, pray more. I need to, like, read some more scriptures. You know, then we start doing this. And we're, you know, now I'm getting performance mode. And, oh, my gosh, God, okay, you know. No. You just, you just go, okay, Lord, if I'm going to have a Bible study, what, what's your vision for that? What do you see happening? And you shut your eyes. Let him paint a picture. I just did this the other day. I was like, what do you want to do? And I saw us meeting at the gym at the little cafe with a couple girls. And I said, who do you want there? Because I'm Miss Includer. I have 80 people I want in my Bible study. Well, that's not going to work at a cafe. So I said, who do you want there? And he said, this person, this person, this person. I go, what about them? He's like, Jenny, you're 
of, no, I didn't say that one. So if you're intimate with a man, he'll give you a wonderful plan. You don't want to go into 2019 on repeat. God takes us from glory to glory. But the son is able to unveil the father to anyone he chooses. Okay. Then it goes on. I'm gonna, we're going to finish this out. Are you weary carrying a heavy burden? Then come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. Verse 29. Simply. Everybody say simply. Join your life with mine. Sounds like the vine to me. Join, just simply. Simply. Who needs more simple? I had a complicated prayer life. Journals, devotionals, highlighters, underline, straight underline. And I'm not saying that doesn't, when you get in study mode, that's all fun. But if you're doing it because you're intimate with the plan, then that's off. Simply join your life with mine. Learn my ways and you'll discover that I'm gentle, humble. And this morning I saw this for the first time again. Easy to please. God is easy to please. If you had a father that was not easy to please, you don't think the father is easy to please. I can be a hard to please mom, and I repent for that. But he is easy to please. You will find refreshment and rest in me. For all that I require of you, because this isn't getting out of stuff. This isn't like I got out of responsibilities and storms. No, this is getting in the responsibilities. This is getting in the storm, in the center. For all that I require of you will be pleasant and easy to bear. I don't know about you, but this is the life I want, 2019. Right there. Simply join your life with his. I can promise you this. Anything that we do apart from the intimacy of God will produce fear. Fear is the root of anxiety. Okay. Thank you for allowing me time. Okay, I'm going to give you an action step, okay? Because sometimes this stuff can feel really intangible. And God told me that he would give me the grace to teach something that felt intangible. I want you to find a spot in your house or somewhere that you feel very still. Okay? For Bob, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the bathroom. Okay? It's like getting away from all the kids, everything. And I want you to find a spot. You might just decide to read out loud Psalm 23. When you're sitting with the Lord and you pull out your honey-do list, there's no problem with that. He loves that. He wants to do stuff. There's, we have to press into prayer. But if I go home after not seeing Bob for a week and I walk and I'm like, hey, listen, I need you to go to Costco. I need you to run over to the hardware store because I have some other things. He'd do it. He would do it. I have an amazing husband. He would do it. But my purpose is to know him, not use him. So when we sit with God, 
when we, when we simply join our life with his, step number one, purpose number one is to minister to him. It's like me walking in the door when I come home tonight, and I walk in and I give my husband a hug and a kiss. I'm not a romantic. I'm on to the next thing. God's breaking that in me. And I am like, hello, how are you? How are you doing? The Lord asked me one day, hey, who do you think's praying for Bob today? And I'm like, mm, nobody. <laughs> right. You're the minister to your husband. Oh, okay. Who is ministering to the Lord today? I, I believe that this church ministered to the Lord this morning during worship. It wasn't drive-through worship, get what I need, get what I need from God. I, I felt that you were ministering to God. That's very, very special. Okay, you ready? When I sit with the Lord, instead of doing, I begin to minister to him. Okay? I'm going to read this out loud, Psalm 23. The Lord is my best friend and my shepherd. And I'm reading this to him. Lord, you are my best friend. You're my shepherd. I always have more than enough. And I'm going to use you in here talking to him. You offer a resting place for me in your luxurious love. Your tracks take me to an oasis of peace, the quiet brook of bliss. That's where you restore and revive my life. You open before me pathways to God's pleasure. And you lead me along in your footsteps of righteousness so that I can bring honor to your name. Lord, even when your path takes me through the valley of deepest darkness, fear will never conquer me, for you already have. You remain close to me and lead me through it all the way. Your authority is my strength and my peace, not my circumstances, not how this day goes, not me having control, but your authority is my strength and peace. The comfort of your love takes away my fear. I'll never be lonely, for you are near. You become my delicious feast. Even when my enemies dare to fight, you anoint me with the fragrance of your Holy Spirit. You give me all I can drink of you until my heart overflows. So why would I fear the future? After all that, why would I fear the future? For your goodness. If you don't think God is good, this is a very hard message. God is good. For your goodness and love, pursue me, Jenny, little old Jenny on planet Earth, pursues me all the days of my life. Then afterward, when my life is through, I'll return to your glorious presence to be forever with you. Imagine the posture of your heart and your mind and your faith for the rest of the day. And then you, and then you go... We're sitting, but now we're walking while we sit. We're sitting and walking at the same time, and we're going through our day. And that became the posture of our heart. Some of you are beginning to believe me. Some of you are beginning to believe me, but don't believe me. Believe the word of God. Believe what he says, because what I'm saying is the Lord. Um, the young man that was worshiping up here in the red shirt, are you sitting back there? You might have a coat on now. No, where was he? Oh, was that his brother? His head was down. He looked like him. Where is he? Oh, twins. Oh, that would make sense. Okay. Here you go. I saw your black jacket. I'm like, well, maybe you put a black jacket on. I'd like to pray for you, too. 
Would you come up here? What's your name? EJ? Awesome. I'm Jenny. Nice to meet you. What's your name? AK? EJ and AK. I like that. I'll be JD. Jenny Donnelly. It's nice to meet you. Okay. God's, you know, highlighted you up here. Um, and I just want to be obedient to that. But I hear the Lord say that you, I mean, you have some longings. Longings for uh, greatness. And greatness is in you. Um, what I spoke about today is going to be vital to you seeing some things come to pass that you've had a kind of a glimpse of. Kind of a, wait a minute, is that, is that really God what you're calling me to do? Because that's pretty awesome. But you're not going to go to it. You're going to sit and allow God to lead you. Because the way you get there isn't the, isn't the way that you might think the plan. You know, we make plans, but God says that he orders our steps. So God is calling you. Um, you have a great love for God. I see that. Um, and as you invest in that, invest greatly in that, in that relationship with God, not through doing, but through this sense of being, then there are some things that he wants to do with your life. I don't know if business is any part of it, but you have what it takes to do something that is um, really special in that regard. So I just want to pray for you and bless you in that. So, Lord, I thank you so much. I ask you, Father, that you would um, take him to far-reaching places far-reaching places, and I see international efforts, international efforts, Lord, I ask you, God, that you would um, posture him so tightly and so upright in you that there is no demon in hell that can talk him into the wrong path or the wrong way. So I thank you, God, that he is affirmed by you, by you. God is your greatest fan. He believes so much in you. He really does. He believes in you. No matter how much anybody else believes in you, I feel like you have people that believe in you, but it's like, it's like they don't have the full power of belief that the Holy Spirit has for you. And it's going to take that power. It's going to take that much belief that you tap into how much God believes in you to really launch you out. So I just, I just sense a lot of greatness on your life. And um, the, the greatness will come from a place of rest at Oasis, that place of fertile ground. Remember, everything that you want that's birthed is birthed in the Oasis, in the stillness of God. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray for you. Father God, I thank you so much for this young man. Thank you, Jesus. Just go ahead and extend your hands if you would and join me in prayer for him. Just thank you, Father. Are you the second born of the two? 
Okay. Um, have you studied the second born in the Bible at all? Okay, we need to do that. God loves the second. I'm a second born, not a twin, but I'm a second born too. My sister's 19 months older than me. God brought me to look at the numbers, like the second in the Bible, the second, the second. Look at Cain and Abel. This has nothing to do with the first, by the way. <laughs> okay? But the second, you need to read about Cain and Abel, Esau and Jacob. You need to read about well, what God does with the second prodigal son and the other brother. There is a love that is lavished on the second that is really special. The world system says second is second. In the kingdom, God says the second is first. And if you'll step into that identity, the identity here is not second in the world's way, but it, it is first in God's eyes. And his blessing, his blessing over both of you is going to be great. But the blessing of God, the transfer from the father to the second is incredible. And I want you to get revelation out of the word on second. I want you to make that your mission to go study the second in the Bible for yourself and read about that and look at that and go, man, he really did like these seconds <laughs> a lot. You're not handicapped. You're not second. You're not. The enemy came in somewhere and said, oh yeah, you too. Isn't it interesting that I thought you were him? And I didn't know there was twins. I mean, isn't that kind of interesting? So God sees you. And your destiny has nothing to do with birth order. It has everything to do with you being the son of God. You are his, his son who is well pleased. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And any place of rejection, I just um, call it null and void in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now that a mighty affirmation that builds you up and carries you up and calls you up to a place. I just see like a trophy on God's shelf and it's you. And he shows people like, yeah, you. And people are like, we, angels like, we know you, 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 you told us about him a lot. It's like, yeah, well, let me, well, I just told you this. It's like when people get their phone, they show you all their kids, you know, over and over. This is how God feels about you. But your destiny is waiting for you. And he's really excited to get going on that. So, Father, I ask you to bless these amazing young men. And I pray for a unity between you two that nothing can divide. Nothing. No force on earth, no natural or spiritual force can divide you guys. And I thank you, God that you're knitting them together in ideas, inspiration, business, ministry. And I just 
I see you guys kicking butt and taking names some serious together in whatever way God has that for you. He's not showing that to me, but I do see business for the both of you. So in Jesus' name, I bless you with all those words and more to come in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're welcome. <clears throat> it's been an honor to be with you. I don't know if Pastor Angela or Pastor Goodluck is going to come up here. I, have, um, I don't take it lightly to be invited to a church, and I just want to thank you for the opportunity to deliver God's word. And I pray over all of you right now that God blesses you with fertility for every desire and idea that he has put in your heart to do. I want you to dream one size too big because then it has to be God. So I thank you for that, God. I thank you for the conception and the maturation and the development of fulfillment of every desire and dream that you put in here. And we don't see it apart from you and intimacy with you. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.